three two. It's the Friday Roundtable on Locked On Sports Minnesota. No Ron Johnson today. He's at Disney World. I wonder which quarterback he'll run into today. But we've got Reggie Wilson of Care 11. We've got Luke Inman of Locked On Sports Minnesota. And we've got a menu of topics today. Reggie, what do you got? Cat is back. 22 points, 26 minutes. Rest? What is that? He got that. Luke Inman. Yeah, we got to talk about the magical March Madness games that took place last night, fellas. Hope your brackets aren't busted quite yet. And the Vikings lost who I thought was a priority free agent to the Las Vegas Raiders. Where does their cornerback room stand with Duke Shelley gone? All that and more coming up on this morning's roundtable, which is presented by FanDuel, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It's an official sports betting partner of the NBA, and you can get started at FanDuel.com slash locked on. All right, guys, let's dive into it. Reggie, you want to talk some cat. Carl Anthony Towns is back. He debuted on Wednesday against the Hawks after 52 games off. And how poetic was it that cat got to stand up there make the game-tying and game-winning free throws in the final seconds. Wolves got to stop. They win the game, and they had to win that game because, I mean, the way I'm interpreting the standings, if they lost that game, I think they'd be out of the play-in picture. They're half a game up on, like, four different teams. It's super tight, changing by the day. But, Reggie, how big to get Cat back in the mix? Man, really big. You know what's interesting about that whole thing is he missed 51 games. And he comes back and, you know, Chris Finch is like, yeah, there'll, there'll be some limitations, blah, blah, blah. He played 26 minutes. Cat's like, man, it felt like 35 minutes that I was out there. He still needs to kind of get back into the rhythm. Only shot 44% from the field. But at the end of the game, when the game is on the line, there's no ant. Who do they put the ball in in their hands? It's Cat. Cat mm-hmm. gets the ball. And a questionable, questionable call there at the end on the on the foul. It was challenged. It was upheld that there was a foul on Cat. And he gets a chance to go to the free throw line. Now, he says it's what movies are made of. I, I don't know if it's that deep with it. But, <laughs> I mean, look, he had to go to the line. Free throws, they call them free. But they're, they're anything but easy. And he goes up there and, and he makes the free throws. But what was interesting to me is what kind of signals to me that he's back. Making that drive, going to the basket. If you remember, when he kind of lost control and, and started going to the ground, he took a violent step and planted on that right leg, the right leg that he, you know, injured with that calf. He tore it. Retore it after six weeks, prolonged his absence. He took a violent like step where he like planted on that right leg. And that was the point that he went down. And when I looked, I'm like, oh, shoot, like, I hope he's OK. He bounced right back up and he was good. And that to me was kind of like the signal, like, OK, he's back. No lingering issues there. He's ready to rock. Yeah, Nobody falls a- more violently than Carl Anthony Towns. By the way. <laughs> he is like a, a level 10 
faller, and it always <laughs> makes me hurt inside. Luke Inman. Yeah, I was just going to say, the turnaround this team has made just these past two games, it's been tremendous, honestly. I mean, you think about it. They go into Monday night's game versus the Knicks on the road, having lost five of six. They need it bad. Both your superstars are out, ants out, cats out. Morale is shot. Like you said, Sam, it was pretty much do or die at that point. Just mentally, emotionally, they could have easily broken down and given up. And what do they do? They come out, they put up a buck 40. They put up 79 in the first half. And guys just keep stepping up. Prince, he goes off for 35, eight for eight from three-point land. Conley with 24. Nas Reed, every single night, puts up a big game. I think he had 26 points on Monday night. And then they get cat back, like you said, Rich, after 51 games. You can't make it up. The ending script is phenomenal. Hits the free throws, which, again, it just felt like the morale booster and just kind of this confidence builder they needed badly right now. And it's more about how they won these past two games, too. It seems like, it just feels like the team is starting to come together and gel a little bit more. The ball movement was awesome. 34 assists Monday night. You got to see that big man rotation really shine those, what, final six, seven, eight minutes when they went on like a 13 to two run Wednesday night. I know that had a lot of people excited because that was kind of the vision fans had in their head when they made the trade for Rudy and they knew they were going to play some tall ball. So the ball movement's been tremendous, I think, again, versus the Hawks Wednesday night again. Just the confidence in one another. It's kind of just what we've been waiting for all season. You see a little bit of it one game, and then it disappears the next game. Just super inconsistent. The big lineup looked like it's got some serious potential to do some damage now with Cat healthy moving forward. So that's going to be interesting to see. And I think Conley, too. Tell me what you guys think. He's been a big catalyst, I think, to a lot of the success that we've seen kind of unlock Rudy and help help him hit kind of this new gear offensively just from the eye test. It feels like he's starting to play his best basketball this season too. Certainly better since the all-star break that there's no doubt about that. I think if I've got any concerns and it is gigantic that they won that game against the Hawks, but they almost didn't. They had to come back from 11 down in the fourth quarter after a miserable third quarter. Um, Cat was clearly trying to get himself back in the flow, back in the game. He was kind of looking for shots. I think he was hunting points. He was looking for opportunities, and the ball sometimes stopped at Cat. I want Cat to integrate into what they did against the Knicks, which was impeccable ball movement, everybody getting involved. I'd like to see the game come to Cat instead of him go to the game, um, but that, that's kind of a nitpick. He was very productive. And the fact that he was hunting shots helped the Wolves because he was generally pretty good in that game. Uh, but when Ant comes back, you know, there's going to be a lot of shots for him to get. And I don't want it just to become this Ant and Cat back and forth ISO game. Like, I still want Kyle Anderson to be facilitating. He's been unbelievable doing all the little things. Mike Conley, you're right. Uh, what can he do as a facilitator? So, there are a lot of players that I think are key cogs to this team. Uh, Nas Reed is microwave offense. I don't want to see his role get overly diminished. So I think, what, what do you have? Nine games, eight games. You have eight games left in the regular season. Um, you have to win them, certainly. But you also need to figure out what your rotation is going to look like now. And as Kat said, it is quite different now than it was when he got hurt way back before the new year. So there's a lot um, to get figured out. Comment below. What do you think about the new look Wolves here with Cat back in the mix? Let us know on the YouTube channel, Lockdown Sports Minnesota, and we're also free and available wherever 
you get your podcasts. Um, guys, big news yesterday for the Vikings, at least in my opinion, Duke Shelley signs elsewhere. We all thought he was a shoe in free agent re-signing for the Vikings. He goes to the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Darren Wolfson reported that it was a $1.3 million contract, and that's got me scratching my head even more, Luke Inman. Uh, how do the Vikings not at least pony up a million and a half just to have Duke in the rotation? It makes no sense. The only thing you can, you know, once the dust settles, you can come to think about is that it just, he didn't fit the Brian Flores system. A lot of man coverage, a lot of off man coverage. He played phenomenal. You've busted out the stats all week, how good he was during the second half of the season. But that doesn't change the fact that you get a big bodied guy, maybe one of those big bodied alpha number one wide receivers out on the boundary against him. It's going to be a mismatch and they're going to try to pick on him. That's the only thing you can think about because when it comes to just the cornerback position for the Vikings right now, how could you not be worried? I mean, Booth played virtually, what, zero snaps last season. Caleb Evans, he only got meaningful snaps in about four or five games. And when Evans did play, outside of that Washington game, he definitely went through his, I mean, rookie lumps, to say the least. I know his final coverage grade, even with the good Washington game, when he played was 40 and a half per PFF. That's well in the bottom 10% for starting cornerback. So it doesn't exactly leave fans very confident with the cornerback position. And the bigger issue, I think, you're relying now on not one but two guys who both have already dealt with major injuries. That's why you want to do back just to have some bodies in there, some fresh legs, some different options in case one of these guys goes down. Booth hasn't been healthy, really, or played a full season, going all the way back to his college days at Clemson. Evan's already dealing with concussions from last year. That's the last thing you want to see. So again, not sure how fans are supposed to, you know, feel good or feel confident about that position heading into next season, even with a clear-cut cornerback one in Byron Murphy, because it's a position where you need at least three capable guys on the roster at all times, if not more. Reg. So I agree with Luke. It, it, it seems that for that price tag, it just seems that maybe he wasn't in the team's plans. And you kind of look at it like I remember a few weeks back when the Lions decided to go ahead and go with David Montgomery instead of keeping Jamal Williams. And it was just like, wow, like the money that they gave Montgomery was more than what Williams got from the Saints. And you're like, man, he cut that promo. It was like a wrestling promo at the end of the season when they beat the Packers and he was just so passionate about, you know, being a Detroit lion. And he seemed like the type of guy that they would build around. You remember him being on hard knocks and all that. And all of a sudden they're just like, no, nah, we want the other guy that was in the division. We'll, we'll take Montgomery instead. And it's just like, wow, like for the price tag that Williams got from new Orleans, like the lions could have matched that and saved some money that they spent on Montgomery. They just, really didn't want him apparently and that's kind of what it seems like it seems like the vikings were just like uh eh, we'll, we'll be okay but there were some spots last year where shelly came up big he was kind of like the unsung hero of that defense at times last year they were banged up didn't have a caleb evans didn't have booth and he just kind of stepped in there and did what they needed from him he had some big games i'm, I'm thinking of you know buffalo Jets mm -hmm. had pick against Chicago, his former team. Like 
he had some big games last year and and really kind of stepped up when they needed him to. But maybe what I'm thinking, you know, the league is is still going more towards like the big, the long, rangy corners. And, you know, Duke Shelley's a bit undersized at 5'9". That was kind of always the knock on him. But last year, I felt like he proved that he could play. No matter what his size is, he could go out there and ball. But, you know, I think he's going to do well in Vegas with the Raiders. But as far as the the Vikings are concerned, you got three guys, your, your top three guys. Byron Murphy missed eight games last year with the back injury. Booth basically missed, like, all of last season. And then Evans dealt with those concussions and he missed a considerable portion of his rookie season. Those are the three guys, you know, Luke was talking about having three solid bona fide guys to go into the season with. Now you're like, okay, there's the top three. You're hoping that you can get the most out of Murphy. He can stay healthy and and kind of bounce back. But then it's just up in the air with Booth and Evans. You kind of really don't know what you have with Booth just yet. And Evans showed flashes, but he needed to be on the field to get those reps in. And so you're like, okay, are they going to hit the free agent market a little bit more? You know, are they planning on bringing Shandon Sullivan, Chris Boyd back? But, you know, those two guys were were two guys that they really didn't rely on a ton on the defensive end. Maybe they're going to go – try to build heavy with the draft. And that's fine if you're going to do that, but going into a situation where you're hoping that the defense is competent to match what the the offense is going to do from a production standpoint, man, you're going to go in there relying on rookies? I don't know. It just seems a little, little thin. Brian Flores has some serious cojones to come in here and – Basically give the green light to say, all right, get rid of Cam Dantzler. We don't want Duke Shelley. This is the plan. Um, And what is the final plan? I'm not sure we fully understand it. It seems like they're telegraphing right now that they need corner in the draft. But also, guys, let's give Quazy a little bit of credit. He might be biding his time looking at this veteran free agent market. Um, there is no worse example of supply and demand as a player than at the cornerback position where there are just so many more bodies than there are needs. Uh, look at the free agent market right now. Byron Jones, age 30. Marcus Peters, age 30. William Jackson, age 30. Shaquille Griffin, 27. Bradley Roby, 30. Ronald Darby, 29. Troy Hill, 31. Eli Apple, 27. You get to your late 20s, as a cornerback and you are deemed basically a washed up entity. Like you age faster than at running back. I swear. Um, the league is just packed with these, these veterans and there just isn't room for all of them. Rock Yasin. That's kind of a prize free agent age 26. He's still unsigned. Um, so the price tag on all these guys is going to decrease. Quazy might have his pick of the litter to say, all right. Um, you know, we waited your prices come down. Now we're going to bring you in on a one-year prove-it deal. Um, And I think that's the play. I think that's the only way to supplement this roster as it stands because you guys both mentioned the the asterisk to this whole thing, the fragility of Caleb Evans with the concussions and Andrew Booth with everything. I mean, and, and Luke, I think you said going back to college, I'm not even sure he was healthy a year in college. I think high school. 
Like he dealt with injuries so frequently at Clemson that you can't count on him for a full 17 game season. So I'm thinking for sure a rookie, but also probably a veteran free agent as we wait now through the spring, maybe even after the draft and get someone who's still sitting there in a couple months at a very cheap price tag today. That's show- a really good point here, Sam, too. Just, yeah. just to wrap up here real quick, because I think the, the biggest problem with the equation is really the fact with no second round pick and so many other needs still, I for one don't know if they have the luxury to use their first round pick on another cornerback right now when there's even bigger pressing needs on the defensive line, for example, wide receiver, for example. So now you're waiting until what, maybe at the earliest round three to add someone. And I get it. It's a loaded class of cornerbacks this year. So maybe someone solids there on day two or three. But even then, how much can you count on a third or fourth round cornerback in year one to come in and make a huge impact? I just don't think that's very realistic. So electing not to re-sign a guy like Duke for so cheap, it just really echoes and reminds you the bigger vision Quasi is kind of putting together here, doesn't it? He's really trying to rebuild this thing for the long haul. It's not so much about 2023 as it is about 2024 and beyond and about getting younger and relying on the rookies that he drafted last year while he's trying to fix this cat mess that Rick Spielman left him. So that's been the crystal clear message, I think, that's come through in decisions like this. Yeah, and just to punctuate the point on Duke, there were no bigger Duke Shelley proponents than me. Yeah. And at that price tag, you know, it's not as if you need him to start. Like if he's not a perfect scheme fit, you can have him be a utility guy. You can have him come off the bench in case of injury because you have injury-prone cornerbacks. Um, just to have him in the building at that price would have made sense. It wouldn't have broken you to have him be a backup at a million and a half. Um, I thought, I thought, just thought he was very sticky as a cornerback. I felt like his skills would have translated to man. Um, maybe I'm, I could be missing the mark on that. And in fact, I probably am because I'm not Brian Flores. I don't have his brain. But I just felt like he was around the play so often that that might have translated well. Might be wrong. All right. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. March Madness is back. Crazy games on Thursday. Looking forward to more craziness and madness today. FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. And new customers can get the no sweat first bet. Up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download the FanDuel app, which is safe, secure, and very easy to use. You can bet on every line, every league, every sport you can imagine, and you can stack up your bets within the same game for a big payout with the same game parlays. There's a little logo on the line. It says SGP. It's part of the same game parlay. Don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. When you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel. That's an official sports betting partner, by the way, of the NBA. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and 
free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. One more on the Vikes, and then we'll talk a little Sweet 16 March Madness. There's kind of a tell right now that's coming out of the Vikings organization, and that tell is that they are going heavier. They are going more Shanahan style. They've signed a big blocking tight end. They've extended their fullback. This, to me, feels like Kevin O'Connell looking at last year and being very unbiased, even though he engineered last year's offense, last year's success, saying last year wasn't quite good enough. Uh, we weren't versatile enough. We didn't run the ball well enough. We weren't efficient enough. We could have done more. Um, I actually kind of appreciate that willingness to change things up, but it seems like they are shifting to kind of the, the spread offense now, shrinking it down to a little bit more 12 personnel, a little heavier, maybe a little more run-friendly. Reggie, what do you think of this philosophical shift that seems to be going on with the Vikings offense? I'm down for it. You don't want to be like a one-trick pony. And last year, I feel like the the, the biggest thing with the offense coming from the 2021 season to last season was trying to not get behind the chain so much. And we saw so many runs where Dalvin – was getting tackled behind the line of scrimmage. Like he was getting touched like right when he was getting the ball. And then now you're putting Kirk in a position where he has to push the ball down the field a little bit more. And they had some great success. But how many times did we see offensive drives stall with this offense? And you're just like, why is that? They got so many weapons. They they got all this talent. KLC is such a good play caller. Like, why do they get stuck in the mud? And I think it's because they couldn't establish a consistent running game. Like, the run game was solid. You know, Dalvin got over a, a grand. Madison was a good spell to him. Like, but I don't think the run game was as consistent as it could have been. They signed Johnny Munt. You know, he's known for his blocking. They used him, I feel like, much more as a passer um, last year. But then they go ahead and sign Oliver this offseason. They're like, okay, yeah, we're, we're about to do that. And I, I do think that it, it's it's good on Kevin O'Connell to kind of just not be stagnant. You know, they went from a, a very stubborn coach with Mike Zimmer to a coach who is willing to kind of look at the full picture of things and say, you know what? I can improve on what I'm doing. This offense is my baby. This is what they brought me here for. Let's see how we can improve this thing, get a little bit more synergy going, and really kind of stay ahead because there were a lot of times, you know, so many fourth quarter comebacks last year. But why? It's because there were, there were times where, you know, three, four possessions go by and they're punting. You know, they're not getting the the first down that they that they needed. Once that script of that very first drive plays out, and they were usually very successful on that very first drive of the game in those scripted plays, a lot of times scoring seven points or at least three. After that, it was just like, all right, uh, okay. It was almost like he was going through the playbook like, okay, let's see, maybe this will work. Let's run this. And then 
it was getting stopped and they had to punt. And so I think this is a good thing. It's interesting that they're going so heavy because we don't really know like what the running back room is going to fully look like just yet, but they seem to be committed to running the ball a little bit more, which could be more successful because it could lead to bigger plays when you're not just able to sit back and say, oh, yeah, I, we, we got to make sure that we're defending the pass. The play action, Kirk Cousins is really good with that. If they're able to establish the run a little bit better with a lot of this heavy personnel, and then they're able to take some shots down the field with Jefferson, with Hawkinson, like this offense could be even more dynamic. Yeah, I think the best coaches in any sport, they always find a way to just maximize their best players, their unique skill sets. And it's such a, you know, old school philosophy now to jam a square peg into a round hole and just force every player to learn and adjust to your play style, your playbook, your scheme. And I think the best coaches understand that now. I mean, that's kind of the new league, the new era. KOC totally gets that. And to see them trade for Hawkinson last year and then bring in Josh Oliver on a pretty Pretty healthy deal for a tight end, too. I think they're paying him $7 million a year, 10 in guarantees. But that was really, I think, Quasey kind of adjusting and trying to take advantage to a little market inefficiency you saw. Because when you look at the top 10 tight end contracts around the league, they average around $10, $12 million. The only cheaper positions are right guard, left guard, and center on average. Meanwhile, you look at some of these wide receiver contracts, the Tyreek Hill contract, the Devontae Adams contract, what eventually Justin Jefferson's going to get. Those are hitting a new stratosphere. So I think it's adjusting your game plan both from the front office lens and the coaching lens. I think it's Quasey saying, hey, KOC, look, I think there's a little bit of value we can find here if we can maybe build a new game plan around maximizing tight ends and fullbacks instead of trying to get three superstar wide receivers on the team. So that was Quasey trying to fit his salary cap and not overpaying for other positions too. And then, of course, retaining C.J. Ham too on a pretty team-friendly deal. I think it's clear, you mentioned it, Sam, that KOC is going to start to lean into the Kyle Shanahan scheme more than what we thought with the Sean McVay scheme. We kind of all assumed he wanted to run that right when he got here with the more 11 personnel, three wide receiver looks. They couldn't run the ball last season. We know that. I know that frustrated the heck out of KOC. So now you're starting to see the proper adjustments and personnel moves to be able to do whatever he's got to do just to be able to run the ball more efficiently. And I'm with Reggie. Like I'm fine with it, honestly. Knowing that they've added the right pieces – just to get back to more of a run-first team, especially after losing Thielen and knowing, I don't know who the wide receiver three is even going to be right now. I think it would have been a bigger surprise, honestly, if you know he came out and said, we're going to try to pass the ball even more because clearly the roster just isn't set up for that right now. Kirk Cousins was suspiciously below average in play action last year. <clears throat> That's his bread and butter. His passer rating was 99.5 in play action, which is very uncharacteristic. He's always been 120, 130, one of the best play action quarterbacks in football. And it just wasn't quite the case last year. They had trouble getting him going with the play action. Well, why was that? You know, new offensive scheme and all that. But practically speaking, what did that scheme ask him to do more than he has done at any point in his career with the Vikings? Shotgun. He was in shotgun. 71% of the time last year. Previous year with Clint Kubiak, 61%. Previous year with Gary Kubiak, 52%. Previous year with Kevin Stefanski, 50%. So the shotgun 
is 20% more prevalent with Cousins now than it was with Stefanski. And that year with Stefanski, 2019, one of his best years, honestly, where they were super heavy. Uh, it was Stefan Diggs. And remember, they lost Thielen that year, too. And even without Thielen, they found a way to keep that offense going with the multiple tight ends, a strong running game, and then one big explosive threat in Diggs. Um, I, I think that it works. Now, we got upset with the Zimmer kind of philosophy on offense, you know, establish the run, pound the rock, punish the other team. And it seemed like he kind of had the Kubiaks in a vice. Like he wasn't going to let them stray from that. And the play sequencing was weird. They were running on second and long and uh, it didn't make sense. I trust Kevin O'Connell to execute that kind of heavier scheme more than I did the Kubiak under Zimmer's purview um, style. Cause I think Zimmer had too much influence on that with his conservative philosophy. I trust KOC to figure it out. So if we're going back to the heavier look, I think that's okay. I think that's okay. And it might get Kirk Cousins kind of back to what he's even more comfortable in offensively. And, after- and you, just real quick, just, yeah. just to wrap up, I think about the San Francisco. I think about the Shanahan offense. You think about they got George Kittle. Okay, they trade for TJ Hawkinson. They got their Trent Williams and Christian Derrissaw. But what really made San Francisco's offense so special a year or two ago was having a guy like Debo Samuel not only be able to catch the ball, but be able to run the ball as well as he did too. He was getting seven, eight, nine touches a game during that playoff run that they went on on the ground. And they weren't just jet sweeps, if you remember. They were in between the tackles runs, physical runs. And I think now that we know he may be leaning into that philosophy a little bit more, I think finding a Debo Samuel-type player in the draft is something they may be targeting. Someone like a Zay Flowers from Boston College, perhaps, that can offer you a variety of different skill sets to play around with, both through the air and on the ground. That's something that, you know, as we see these moves unfold this offseason, you start to try to connect the dots to the draft. I think maybe a guy like Zay Flowers may be the Debo Samuel and a missing piece of their Shanahan puzzle, if you will. Take Luke Inman's word for it. He is the author of the NFL Draft Buzz newsletter, which you can subscribe to at LockedOnPodcast.com slash newsletters. He's got weekly rankings, weekly stories about the NFL Draft world. Check it out, LockedOnPodcast.com slash newsletters. Subscribe to NFL Draft Buzz. Um, March Madness Drama and NCAA Hockey Update, Golden Gophers, the number one overall seed. That's coming up after I remind you that there's still a week to vote at BuiltMarchMadness.com. Vote for your favorite, Built Bars or Built Puffs, and have a chance to be one of 50 lucky lockdown listeners to get a free box of Built, and one lucky fan gets a 12-month subscription to Built to have the best Built Bars or Puffs delivered right to your door. You got to try Built. They're the best protein bar in the universe so amazing, you won't believe that they're actually good for you. With low sugars, low calories, very high in protein, yet 100% real chocolate covering these bars or puffs, which come in remarkably good flavors. Head to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now. Vote for your favorite bar or puff. I would vote for the Cookies and Cream Puff personally. Pick up a box while you're there, and you can vote all the way through March through next Friday. So hop in and support your pick. Speaking of March Madness, guys, it's back. Sweet 16 round. Michigan State, Kansas State. Overtime thriller. Kansas State wins. Uh, what's the name of the point guard who had the... Noel. The un- Marcus Noel. No- Noel. 
20 points, 19 assists, five steals, including one at the very end to stymie Michigan State. My Cinderella sleeper. Ah, um, And then later on in the evening, Gonzaga and UCLA comes down to the wire. A three at one end, a three at the other end. Gonzaga moves on. Crazy drama, Reggie Wilson. What do you think? Is it really ever a march without Mick Cronin getting upset and going out sad? Like, that seems to be a thing. Even back when he was at Cincinnati, like, it just, he had some terrible losses in the tournament. And last year, he had UCLA humming, man. That was that was a, a very good UCLA team that he had last year, and they got to the Final Four, and it was great. But then it, they had a really nice lead on Gonzaga at the half yesterday, and then all of a sudden, like, Gonzaga just stormed back. And that three at the end, they called it the, the Jay Wright play, going back to that 2016 Villanova National Championship yeah. where Jenkins hit that shot. At the end, as the the time was going out to win the national championship, one of the best national championship games we've seen. And it's just crazy how that played out where Mick Cronin was going out sad yet again. Man, it seems like Gonzaga always gets so close but can never win the whole darn thing. Like Mark Mm -hmm. Few has been there doing this thing. One of the best coaches in college basketball. Drew Timmy has 30-plus points, like 36, 37 points last night. I thought you were going to say 30-plus years years. of eligibility. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He's he's Perry Ellis out here. Uh, But but what's crazy is they they seem to have like a team that could do it. But we could say that about them every year. But for some reason, they can't get it done. You would think that something like this would spark a run, but you just don't know. That Kansas State-Michigan State game was incredible. Incredible. When Marquise is is acting like he's, like, arguing with Coach Tang. Iconic. And then just throws the oop like that. Like, what? Are you kidding me? And then at the end, not even giving Michigan State a chance to get a shot off. He steals it and then goes down and does, like, the little freaky saucy (laughs) Uh, layup at the at the buzzer to like hey take that with you you know at, at his Madison Square Garden moment he had like his Kimball moment being mm-hmm. from New York like that was just an incredible incredible individual performance and incredible game and I think it's easy to root for Kansas State one one of my best friends is is a K State grad he FaceTimed me after the game just absolutely mm-hmm. just beaming but. I love this whole Keontae Johnson story. You know, before we had DeMar Hamlin, we had Keontae Johnson. That was a very scary moment for him collapsing on the court when he played for Florida. He's now gotten himself healthy, transfers to K-State, and he's one of their leaders on that team, helping them get to where they want to go. So it's just an incredible – nothing beats March Madness and games like that yesterday – Really just kind of took the case. We won't talk about the performance that Arkansas had yesterday. Mm. They had their Super Bowl. They beat Kansas. Uh, yeah. L- Luke Inman, what, was your was your household torn asunder by the result last? 
It, yeah, it was tough, man. Again, the wife had Gonzaga win it at all. I got UCLA in the Final Four coming out of that region. So uh, tensions were high, to say the least, but uh, all is good. As long as she splits the uh, winnings with me, we'll be fine. But, you know, I was thinking about it. You know, I watched a, a healthy amount of basketball last week during that opening round. I mean, you can't watch them all, but I watched the majority of those games. And yet what we saw just last night in just one evening was by far the best basketball so far of the tournament. I mean, Michigan State, KSU, and then to follow that up with UCLA, Gonzaga, going back and forth. Those two games combined, I just think, were arguably better than any basketball I watched during the opening four days. Absolute ESPN instant classics. Reggie touched on Noel. Unstoppable. 19 assists. Breaks the NCAA record. And you mentioned that defensive play at the very end. How risky was that? Ultra aggressive because if he fouls him like he almost did, he sends that guy to the line to possibly tie the game with three free throws. But unbelievable. My bracket probably busted, Sam, but you know what? You can take my 10 bucks. I'm officially rooting for a KSU Gonzaga championship. I think it's what the world needs right now and would prove to be maybe one of the better endings to a March Madness tournament we've seen in a long time. Uh, Arif Hassan is in the driver's seat in, <laughs> in the win Ron Johnson's money pool. Arif Hassan, he just keeps dodging bullets, man. Like uh, all these teams going down. He did lose Michigan State as a Final Four team, as did I, but he still has Alabama, Texas, and UConn man. in his Final Four. Uh, he's looking like he's in pretty good shape. Um, there's another big NCAA tournament going on. NCAA hockey, the path to the frozen four guys. You got your brackets filled out. I got mine right here. Here we go. That's right. Uh, as you can see, I've already lost a finalist. Where is it? Denver, Denver upset by Cornell yesterday. Um, <laughs> Andy Bernard is rejoicing somewhere, but uh, Gophers hockey, Reggie, did you watch that game against Canisius? Was that going on during your newscast? Yeah, yeah, we had it on in the sports office, and it was looking a little scary there for a second. Canisius came out, and they looked like they were ready to take it to him, and everybody's mentioning the the Holy Cross, and it's just like, okay, let, can we not? It's, it's funny because we talked about it earlier this week about how Minnesota's fan base is just kind of like the most negative. And it's it's so tough because, like, at the first sign of adversity, they're just like, oh, here we go. Here we go. Holy Cross all over again. They're in, you know, North yeah. Dakota, and it's 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 looking bad. And then the, the Govers are like, okay, guys, shut up, okay? We're going we're gonna to score eight straight and, and just calm it down, okay? Please just calm down. Like, they just turned it on, and – I think most people thought that the Gophers would roll Canisius, but maybe not in the way that it happened. Like it was a little touch and go there for a second. And then the Gophers were just like, okay, we're the better team. We're about to turn up on you. And they scored all those goals and, and rolled it into the next round, which is going to be interesting. St. Cloud, Golden Gophers. That's going to be, that's going to be an interesting game. I do think that the Gophers probably have the edge there, but how cool is it to have two of our area teams going at each other in the tournament? Yeah. Um, the Gophers proved yesterday that a golden gopher is superior to a golden Griffin apparently, but let me show you guys this. Now I fill out brackets without an ounce of bias. I know I, I call the gopher games on TV, but 
you see here, I actually have St. Cloud State defeating Minnesota. <gasps> and, and and that is just my what? gut instinct. That's not my rooting interest. I don't oh. have a great feeling about the matchup. Um, I watched both the games they played back in January. St. Cloud State outplayed Minnesota in game one. Game two went to overtime. Gophers got them. Um, there's a lot of interesting elements to this. I mean, St. Cloud State is much older than Minnesota. Gophers are the you know second youngest team in the nation. St. Cloud State's a little more seasoned. Some of these guys played in the national championship two years ago. Uh, their goaltending is very good. They, in fact, have a former Gopher as their leading scorer, Grant Crookshank. Bob Motzko, the Gophers coach, used to coach at St. Cloud State. So there are a lot of interesting rivalry elements to this. Um, but I think that defensively, St. Cloud State is going to give Minnesota some fits. They're probably going to shut down that top line pretty nicely. And and even yesterday against Canisius, Reggie, it was kind of hard for their their top guys, for Nyes and Cooley and Snuggeroo to get going. They had to rely on the second and third lines to really carry the load. It was Huglin, Brodzinski, and Kurth. So the, the Gophers are desperately going to need supplementary scoring against St. Cloud State to win that game. I think it's going to be a one-goal margin. I hope the Gophers win, but I think this is scary. Um, if they can advance past St. Cloud State into the Frozen Four, I, I really like their chances. I think it's these in-state rivalries that that are really tricky to get past. And I, I would assume it's going to be split between Gophers fans, maybe even a slight edge to St. Cloud State fans. You know, they're close to Fargo. They're going to travel well and, and fill that place because they hate the Gophers. Uh, I'm excited for it. I'm, I'm rooting for the Gophers, but I'm cautious about it. I'm a little, I'm a little nervous. Luke Inman, you have any uh, any Golden Gopher hockey uh, loyalty in your veins? Not like you, Sam. No, no. I, I, I just try to echo. I just try to keep up with you, man. I, I will say, after hearing all your impressive broadcasts and play-by-play for the Gopher hockey program this year, I've gotten a lot more invested into it, and I can't wait to continue to follow you along in your path along with the team. And it makes it fun when they're good, too, doesn't it? I mean, I don't know. Maybe you just got lucky yeah. you hopped on a year where it seemed to be pretty magical and obviously a lot of success, but that makes things a lot easier to watch as a viewer as well and a fan. So it's been a lot of fun watching you uh, do your thing out there this year. Checks in the mail. Thank you, Luke. Um, that was a fun roundtable, guys. We'll talk plenty more Vikings, March Madness, Gophers hockey into next week with the full crew. Ron Johnson getting back from Disney World. Uh, we hope he's having a great time there. Uh, Reggie, quick plug. What's going on, Care 11, tonight? Ooh, we got the State Boys Basketball Tournament going on. We already got some championship matchups set, so... Excited about what we got going on. Um, Larry McKenzie is going to be on the show, legendary basketball coach Larry McKenzie. He's going to be talking about some of these matchups that we're looking forward to seeing tomorrow in the championship. And uh, it's just going to be a, a great show tonight with uh, myself, Will, Julia, Coach McKenzie. Looking forward to that. And then, of course, Will is going to have everybody covered this weekend for that St. Cloud uh, Gophers game tomorrow. So should be a lot of fun. Great weekend of sports ahead. No doubt about it. I'll have to check the betting line on why Zeta Park Center and see who's mm. favored in that game. I think that's going to be a good championship tilt. Oh, um, yeah. oh, yeah. Reggie Wilson at Reggie Wilson TV on Twitter. Luke at Luke underscore Spinman on Twitter. And I'm at Sam Ekstrom. 
Uh, give us a shout out on there. Get in our mentions. Let us know what you think. Ask us some questions. And uh, we'll talk to you next week on Locked On Sports Minnesota. So long, everyone.